Canada wrestles with hate-fueled terrorism. It just hits so close to home because it could have been my parents. Sympathy for a shattered family and what we're learning about the man accused of crashing into them. Growing pressure to open the border. Canada needs to be a part of the seamless traveler experience. Tourism operators offer up a plan to salvage the summer. And a million-dollar ticket he can't cash. All the questions that they ask, it's like they make you almost feel guilty. What happened when Global got involved? And why it's a warning ahead of another record jackpot. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. They were loved when they were alive. Their memory will be cherished now that they're gone. Hundreds gather for a vigil paying tribute to a Muslim family killed in a horrific attack. Four lives lost in a heinous act of hate. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The shock is no less raw tonight, two days after the family was run down in London, Ontario. It's a crime police say was a deliberate targeted attack and now a 20-year-old man is facing charges. Aaron MacArthur reports. My husband just rolled down his window and said salamu alaikum to him. And he said, Salaam Alaikum, and he went. Peace be upon you. Likely the last words a London, Ontario family ever heard. A moment after the simple greeting, the unthinkable would happen. Police say the driver of this black pickup truck deliberately jumped the curb and ran five people over. Targeted because of their faith. It's scary because my husband and my children, we walk these uh, sidewalks and... Um, and we have other families, too, that walk these sidewalks, and it could have been us. Throughout the day Tuesday, people continue to come to this busy London intersection. Friends, neighbours, total strangers. People appalled at what's being investigated as a hate crime. These people had so much love to offer, so much kindness to give, and the worst way to leave this world. I feel sick. It should stop. People who were on scene moments after the driver of the truck sped off still haven't fully processed what they witnessed. The bodies of the family of five scattered dozens of meters from the intersection, including a nine-year-old boy. He was crying, where's my family? I want my family. My leg hurts. My hand hurts. I told him to keep his head down and we're trying to make sure he didn't see his family. The nine-year-old remains in hospital and is expected to survive, but he has lost his parents, Salman and Madiha, his sister, Yumna, and his grandmother. Neighbors, equal parts furious and terrified. I see racism every day. Every freaking day. The suspect, 20-year-old Nathaniel Veltman, is facing four counts of murder and one count of attempted murder. He was arrested seven kilometers away in a mall parking lot, Police describing the arrest as being without incident. Not much is known about the London resident. He doesn't appear to have much of an online profile. Police searching his downtown apartment and the egg farm where he worked part-time. I would never have believed that he could have done something like this at all. Anyone else I would have believed could do this, but Nate not at all. Tuesday night, the streets of London filled with mourners. Politicians have come. But so have people from every corner of this city. A vigil to remember four lives lost and to reflect on why tragedies like this continue to happen. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and NDP leader Jagmeet Singh both say it's time for less talk and more action dealing with racism in Canada. The casual racism, the insinuations that are only meant to diminish, the toxic rhetoric, the disinformation and the extremism online, the polarization we see too often in our public discourse and in our politics. As leaders and as Canadians, we not only have to say enough is enough, we must take action. The reality is our Canada is a place of racism, of violence, of genocide of Indigenous people, and our Canada is a place where Muslims aren't safe. They aren't. They aren't safe. Muslims are not safe in this country. And Muslims wonder, I've spoken to people, they wonder how many more lives will it take? How many more families will be mauled, mauled down the street? How many more families will be killed before we do something? Well, while the expressions of sorrow and condemnation over the London attack are widespread, experts say we need to go beyond thoughts and prayers to really fight racism. Global's Amadagahi talked to some of BC's leading anti-racism advocates. In the wake of tragedy, as candles shine light on the silence of grief, Vancouver's Muslim community can only ask why. And in that family, we see our own families. We see our parents, we see ourselves. Shock and horror are the words Yusuf Siraj will use to describe the attack on a helpless Muslim family in London, Ontario. For two years, he has been working hard trying to eliminate the hate and hurt caused by Islamophobia. Heading Islam Unraveled, the official faith-based conveyor for anti-racism initiatives in the province of BC. So Islamophobia, the hatred, irrational hatred of Muslims, discrimination towards Muslims, it is almost as though it's accepted in Canada uh, at an official level. Sadly, he says racist sentiment towards Muslims is not confined within provincial boundaries in Canada. In April, the family of a nine-year-old girl in Surrey spoke out after she was subject to racist slurs at a superstore from a man allegedly referring to the child as a terrorist. When it happens to you, then you realize like this is real and, and people do think that way towards you and your culture and, and it's, it's not right. It's, you know, if you're wearing a scarf, it's your choice. Um, we should get way beyond the idea of questions about whether Canadian communities, cities, um, the country um, is racist or has characteristics of racism and we should be very serious about tackling uh, racism. Those on the front lines of fighting Islamophobia say incidents of hate can traumatize a person for life. What Siraj encourages people to do now is to get to know his community. Reach out to people, talk to them, you know, see they're just normal folks just like you. Adding, in moments like this, it is important to question biases, stereotypes, and remember. We're good people. We're Canadian just like you. Imadagahi, Global News. Now to the latest in our province's fight against COVID-19. B.C. is extending our state of emergency through June 22nd to give the province the tools to keep British Columbians safe and manage immediate concerns and COVID-19 outbreaks. The trend still looks good. We have 165 new cases, 
bringing B.C.'s total to 145,695. A little more than 2,000 of those cases are active. 203 people are in hospital, 57 of those in the ICU. And thankfully, there are no new deaths to report today from COVID-19. Well, we have two weeks to go until the expiry of the latest extension of the U.S.-Canada border closure. And tonight, growing calls for a speedy reopening. As Richard Zussman reports, while the Prime Minister is hinting something might happen later this month, tourism industry stakeholders say their survival depends on it. There was something noticeably missing from the Capilano suspension bridge. American visitors. In the summertime, they're probably one-third of all of our visitors to Capilano. There's a growing list of organizations calling on Ottawa to lay out plans for what it will take to open the land border between the two countries. We've been missing the American visitors terribly. We very much want a plan. We want it as early as possible. Speculation growing, including word from some border town mayors in Ontario the restrictions could ease as early as June 21st. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says no decision has been made yet and will be based on vaccinations. The difference between protection of one dose of vaccine versus two votes of vaccine uh, is quite significant. The industry agrees, so this is what they're suggesting. Unvaccinated travellers would have to produce negative tests both from at least 72 hours before arriving at the border and at the border, as well as quarantine for at least seven days. Partially vaccinated people would need to produce tests before and after, but no quarantine. And fully vaccinated travellers would not have to produce any negative test. The Rocky Mountaineer says it hopes these plans are in place this summer. We lost last season, so we haven't actually operated the train since October 2019. So we are hopeful um, that we will be able to welcome them at some point this summer. Not only do Americans spend more money in B.C. than travelers from inside of Canada, they also come in big numbers. Nearly four million Americans spent at least one night in B.C. in 2019. The vaccine brings a lot of hope, and with that, there's an expectation that that pent-up demand, those people have been holding back their, their plans to go, will come and visit our island. And Andrew Capot will be turning the pedal on this issue as long as it takes to get Americans back in the seat of his Victoria pedicab. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, Keith Baldry is live in Victoria. Now, Keith, we often compare our COVID-19 cases and vaccinations with those in Washington state. Mm -hmm. So now that we're talking about opening the borders eventually, how does that comparison stand up? Yeah, I thought it'd be useful to take a look at uh, how COVID's doing and how vaccinations are doing, not only in Washington state, but the other two busy border states where the entry border entries are usually the biggest, also Michigan and New York state. Take a look at this table, comparing what's going on down there. They've got larger populations, of course, so their numbers are going to be bigger. Our daily case number average is 176. Our, our daily numbers of deaths are, are three. But take a look at how that compares to Washington, Michigan, and New York. They still have a lot of COVID down there, folks. Those numbers are still high. The good news is that they continue to drop. Look on the right-hand side. We've got a higher vaccination rate when it comes to one dose. Uh, but Washington and New York have uh, higher rates as well than uh, uh, Michigan. What's going on in the States, though, in vaccination is interesting. You heard the Prime Minister refer to two doses. We have nowhere near the number of people with two doses in Canada as they do in the United States. They're going to get to a two-dose level far quicker than we are. Only 7% in B.C. have two doses. So if we're talking about two doses, it could be the end of the summer if that's the criteria used to open the border.
Thanks for that, Keith. A disturbing escalation in the Lower Mainland's violent gang conflict. Global News has exclusive evidence gangsters are targeting those who uphold the law with threats against a sheriff who now needs protection. That's next on the News Hour. Vancouver Street Stunts. Jay Durant catches up to a local man and his buddies making magic wherever they go later on the news hour. And a tough old bird that almost fell prey to a pickup truck. The shocking rescue caught on camera later. Right now, though, Global News has learned some disturbing details about the latest target in the ongoing Lower Mainland gang conflict. And it's not who you'd expect. Our Romina Dea has the exclusive details. The information about the death threat came in via email to the B.C. Sheriff's Service on May 31st. Someone with gang affiliations was threatening to shoot, kill a deputy sheriff. We understand the incident is connected to the Fraser Valley. The sheriff has not been injured. He has been advised of the threat. The Integrated Threat Assessment Unit of the Sheriff's Service has taken steps to bump up security at the target's work and home. We don't know why the sheriff was targeted or by who. The threat has law enforcement on high alert. Just last month, suspects were caught on camera fleeing the scene after 29-year-old Bikram Deep Randawa, a corrections officer, was shot outside a shopping mall in Delta. Investigators are still working on a motive, including whether the shooting was potentially related to Randawa's job. A spokesperson with the Attorney General's office says steps were immediately taken to ensure the increased safety of the sheriff. The police are investigating the matter, and we are unable to comment further. The BCGEU, the union which represents sheriffs across the province, tells us it is aware of the death threat, but it is also not commenting because of the police investigation. Romina Dea, Global News. Police in the Fraser Valley are on the lookout for a suspect in an apparent random stabbing spree that's left an 80-year-old man with serious injuries. And as Grace Key reports, until the suspect is caught, RCMP are warning Chilliwack residents to be cautious. Chilliwack RCMP are stepping up patrols after two men were stabbed in what police are calling unprovoked attacks. Given the timing and proximity, it's believed the two stabbings are related. Investigators are continuing to advance their investigation by reviewing CCTV footage as well as um, speaking with anyone who might have any information. Um, but we are you know, wanting the public to remain vigilant and to uh, stay to well-lit areas, to walk with someone else if possible, and absolutely report suspicious activity to the RCMP immediately. The first stabbing happened at 9.15 Sunday evening along Mary Street and Spadina Avenue. The 58-year-old victim managed to walk to Chilliwack General Hospital where he was treated and released for his injuries. 45 minutes later, an 80-year-old man who suffers from dementia was stabbed. It happened in the area of Mary Street and Bernard in Alexander Avenues. The elderly man remains in intensive care and stable condition. Neighbors are uneasy knowing the suspect is still on the loose. It is scary. It's damn scary. I'm a recovering paraplegic and... Uh... I, I could not run somebody if they came after me. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be screwed. We were allowed to like walk the streets and at night and out and be okay, but now you can't, you can't even walk the streets. There was a guy who just got off the bus over here at a bank, and he got 
hit over the head and beaten. The suspect in the first stabbing is described as a white man about six feet tall with a slim to medium build, wearing dirty jeans and possibly a patterned blue top, having frizzy dark brown hair. If you have any information about the stabbings, you're asked to contact Chilliwack RCMP. Grace Key, Global News. Up next, a lottery winner who can't get his million. We haven't been paid yet. Why his winnings have been held up and the surprising result when Global News got involved. And you might feel like a lottery winner if you want to make your home more efficient. Why you could get thousands of dollars back. The new federal government Greener Homes Grant is proving to be very popular, with contractors saying they've been inundated with people wanting to take advantage of it. Ted Chernecki has the details and some things to keep in mind before you start the work. If it wasn't already, it should be as clear as glass that now might be a good time to make your home more energy efficient. Most people would know that they have windows that don't perform. So we're getting lots of calls from customers that are saying, um, now I'd like to take an opportunity to see what it will cost me to improve the efficiency. With a new Canada Greener Homes grant, the price of windows just went down by about 20% on average. And some of today's windows pay for themselves eventually. But generally over the course of the 30 to 40 years, you should see most of your investment come back. But Canada's Greener Homes Grant isn't straightforward. Everyone has to have two energy audits before and after installation. That costs you about $800, of which $600 you might get back. The grant doesn't apply to new homes or renters. You can get up to $5,000 for improving home insulation, windows and doors, renewable energy like solar panels or heat pumps and better hot water systems. There's about 2600 to be had for things like batteries and foundation waterproofing. All of these properties are in the Lower Mainland, and for most of them, the sun powers everything. Now, for the more modest homeowner, it just got better with that new grant. This really is the greatest incentive for solar panels in BC's history. Those panels are already more efficient and cheaper, and the grant saves you another 35%. And roughly, there's about a $13,000 investment for solar panels to get the full $5,000 rebate from the government. And you can sell excess power to BC Hydro for credits to be used on those dark days. Most of our customers, they don't end up paying for electricity at all in a given calendar year. The cost of that first energy audit, by the way, is not eligible for a rebate if you don't proceed with the upgrades. Ted Chernock, Global News. A record $117 million is up for grabs in tonight's Lotto Max prize pool. $70 million will go to one ticket holder alone, and that's generating a lot of excitement. But before you run out to get your ticket, you'll want to hear this cautionary tale from a North Vancouver man. He had, in his possession, a million-dollar winning ticket. But as Jennifer Palmer reports, he ran into all sorts of obstacles when he tried to collect his prize. Rick Kinnear and a friend have a million-dollar lotto ticket they bought this past January, but instead of enjoying his split winnings, he's waiting to be paid. I would like it rectified. It should, I don't think, take four months plus. Um, you know, um, you shouldn't be made to feel guilty. The North Vancouver man bought his half of the $10 ticket here at Harry Grocery with a retailer's daughter. BCLC had some questions surrounding the win. We do have um, a no play at work policy. 
um, that clearly states that lottery retailers are not allowed to play at their place of employment. I mark on the ticket um, some letters so I know who, who I'm in on the ticket with and um, I think that might have created a problem. Kinnear did not have a formal group play agreement form like this one on the BCLC website filled out and signed. Something group players should consider as Canada's largest ever lottery prize draw is tonight. The Lotto Max is at a record-breaking $117 million in total prizes. We do recommend you head on over to bclc.com, check out the group play agreement form and fill it out before every draw. As for Kinnear, Global News helped him get his prize of $1 million and $1 on the extra. He was with us when the call came. I have some pretty exciting news for you. Uh, this afternoon, I was told that your prize claim has been approved. Oh, jolly good. <laughs> good. Folks from Player Services will be reaching out to you today and they can let you know about next steps and how to claim your prize. Oh, well, that's very good news. Do you feel relieved? Yeah, very relieved. Yeah, More relieved good. once the check shows up. Sure. But you know what? You guys are global are amazing. <laughs> I got a $40. If you want a ticket for tonight's draw, good luck. There hasn't been a prize this big since 2018 when it was at $116 million in total prizes. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Jolly good. Jolly good. Uh, after four <laughs> months, maybe the thrill is worn off, I guess. <laughs> All right, just ahead, a warning from VPD about disturbing behavior near an elementary school. You'll want to have a conversation with your kids after what happened in the playground. But first, serious charges laid in that wild chase through Merritt with shots fired at RCMP. Traffic looks pretty good on this side of Highway 99 to the Massey Tunnel. It's south of the tunnel that you have to worry about. There was a crash just by Highway 91 and plenty of leftover volume through that stretch. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit bcaa.com. Trishy was in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. We have some breaking news for you now. Albert de Villiers, Interior Health's Chief Medical Health Officer, has been arrested. Sources tell Global News de Villiers was taken into custody today. We don't believe it happened at Interior Health headquarters. We are still waiting to confirm the charges, and it's believed officials in Alberta have that information. Interior Health says it will have more information for us tomorrow. They were recently made aware that he had been detained and say they are totally shocked. De Villiers started the job fairly recently during the pandemic in August of 2020. He's been a high-profile figure fronting the COVID response in that region. And Vancouver police are warning the public after a disturbing flasher incident outside a downtown elementary school. It happened around 2.30 Monday afternoon outside Lord Roberts Elementary School. A man approached an eight-year-old girl on the playground and apparently exposed himself. Police were called, but the man left before they arrived. Our goal right now is to bring awareness to the public and to encourage parents and guardians to have uh, a talk with their child or young children in their lives. Some things you could talk to your children about are, are just the basics. Don't talk to strangers. Don't leave, with, don't leave with a stranger if the stranger asks you to come with them. And always tell a teacher or an adult that you trust if anything suspicious or uncomfortable happens to you, whether it be at school, on the walk home from school, or on the playground. 
The suspect is described as white, about 55 to 65 years old, and between 5 foot 9 and 6 foot 2 inches tall. He has short brown and gray hair and gray stubble. He was wearing a tan or olive-colored baseball hat and a burgundy bomber jacket and was carrying a messenger bag at the time. A Fort St. John man is now facing a string of serious charges in relation to a frightening shootout with police. It happened late Sunday afternoon when a Merritt RCMP officer tried to stop a truck that had failed to stop for police earlier and was believed to have been involved in a theft in Lytton the previous day. Shots were exchanged between police and the occupants of the truck before it was finally stopped. 46-year-old Gerald Cooper of Fort St. John was taken to hospital in custody and has now been charged with five counts of attempted murder with a firearm and one count of flight from police. He's due in court tomorrow. An 11-year-old child was also in the truck and was taken to hospital with serious injuries. BC's Independent Investigations Office has been called in to review the case, and anyone with dash cam video of the incident is asked to contact Merritt RCMP. RCMP are asking for the public's help in locating a special needs man who has gone missing on the Lower Mainland. 42-year-old Robert Mascardo, who is Filipino, was last seen late Monday afternoon in the Brookswood area of Langley. He's nonverbal and was last seen wearing a camouflage face mask and a light blue zip-up jacket. He walks with a unique bouncing gait. Mascardo was initially reported missing from his home in South Surrey. If you see him, you're urged to contact police. Yet another coyote attack in Stanley Park has conservation officers reminding people to be careful. A man was bitten on the leg just after 11 p.m. Saturday. It happened by the totem poles near Brockton Oval. He wasn't seriously injured and conservation officers couldn't find the coyote. They say anyone who encounters a coyote should make themselves as large as possible, wave their arms or throw objects such as rocks and shout and definitely do not feed the animals or leave attractants out for dangerous wildlife. A powerful First Nations ceremony in Victoria today to honor the 215 children found in unmarked burial sites at a former Kamloops residential school. Hundreds wearing orange shirts gathered in front of the legislature to also show support for the survivors and help begin the healing process. Kylie Stanton reports. They say it heals all wounds, but there are some that just cut too deep. Yesterday I had a breakdown and it was my first because I talk a lot about my residential school days. Minutes have turned to hours, 215 of them with flags at half-mast, honoring the 215 lives lost. I can't imagine people who don't know where their children were or where they were buried, or whatever happened to them. This is why we are gathering today. They will be raising the flag back up. But first, a chance to forge a path forward. Singing, using our drums. We all need this as Qualmoch people to heal. First Nations from across Vancouver Island gathered in Victoria to honour all Indigenous children from residential schools who never made it home, the survivors and their families. Our hearts are very heavy today. Canoe protocol, a procession and drum circle. Connected through culture 
collective in grief. Something to you know lean forward to and you know lean on and you know have family. It's it's a big thing. But with politicians in attendance to witness and learn, it was also a chance to send a message. Accountability. No apology, but accountability. It's clear the time is now. It is true, every child does matter. And as the 215th hour approaches, the pain that's rippling through generations gives way to a fleeting moment of peace. It kind of gives closure. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. In health matters tonight, any parent will tell you installing a car seat can be very tricky and finding someone to check it, that's tough too. The pandemic has put in-person clinics on hold, but families still need to make sure their children are buckled up safely. Global's Kendra Slagoski has more. Parents know car seats can be confusing. The size, the straps, seatbelt position. With the baby seat, it was quite stressful. It took some time to figure out how, you know, how tight to get it, make sure it was at the right angle. That was pre-COVID when Anne-Marie Matke tested seats in her vehicle before buying. She also went to a car seat clinic for peace of mind. Oliver is now in a front-facing seat and all that in-person help has been put on hold. I've seen people come apart, uh, literally, um, uh, trying to install uh, a baby seat. Knowledge First Financial wants to make sure families learn how to properly install a car seat and is sponsoring a free virtual clinic. Not just for first-time parents, grandparents are calling St. John Ambulance for advice too. There are some key things to remember. First, make sure that seat isn't going to budge. And then stand beside it and rock it side to side. It shouldn't move more than an inch. Don't put anything in the seat like covers or bulky jackets or under the seat like a towel. It should leave some indentation in the seat. For babies, the buckle should be snug across the chest. Right in line with the armpits. You should be able to fit one finger behind, but not two fingers. For kids in booster seats, make sure the seat belt isn't resting on their necks and it's tight across the hips. We don't want the seat belt coming across their belly. We don't want it sitting down on their thighs. It needs to come across their actual hips and their pelvis. Oliver has a while yet before the booster. When that happens, his mom will be seeking reassurance to make sure her little guy is safe. Kendra Slagoski, Global News. Coming up, extreme stunts on the streets of Vancouver. We'd already rigged out the, uh, the storefront to uh, ex- the glass to explode. A local magician making a name for himself with elaborate setups that shock the audience. And coming up in sports, redemption is golden for the man who coached Canada to the World Hockey Championship. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Another rescue today for District of North Vancouver firefighters, this one along a popular hiking trail. A woman injured her ankle near the pipeline bridge along the Capilano River. Firefighters used a locally designed app to send the woman a text message that, when she clicked on it, allowed them to see her exact location using a GPS locator. While the injury was not serious, the advice is, if you find yourself in trouble, don't hesitate to call for help. Best case scenario, the patient is able to walk out on their own, but in the event that they're unable to, you know, we don't want to delay any response to them with their injury. 
So call 911, get the people coming. Our firefighters are trained for this situation. Uh, BC Ambulance and the rest of the teams here will respond. And then if we need them, they're there. We can assess the patient and, and get them the best care they need. Vineyard and orchard operators in the Okanagan are sounding the alarm over the ongoing drought conditions in the valley. The region has experienced a record dry spring and early snowmelt and a recent stretch of record high temperatures. Those conditions combined with the ongoing population growth are ramping up worries about what the summer growing season could look like. Well, grape growers, all farmers really need water. Like no water, you got a desert. You know, for each household that comes to the Okanagan, for each apartment or whatever they build, that's 300 gallons per day more of water that's being used with no additional infrastructure. So like I said, that, that pie just keeps getting smaller and smaller. To prevent the drought conditions from worsening, the region needs to see significant rainfall through the rest of June. It could be pulling raisins off the vines before you know it with uh, weather like this. Let's see. A little bit more about the drought from Yvonne Shell right now and for Christy, Yvonne. Uh, we're patiently waiting for some rain. It's always like that. We got the sun and then we're anticipating a bit more rainfall. A quick update on the BC drought. We can see all areas that are in yellow at level one and level two. That's actually stretching along the eastern side of the island. And unfortunately, we'll have to be patient. We're not seeing any significant rain on the way. We need a real soaker across the region, but we are going to be seeing a few isolated showers. But there is the risk of thunderstorms for the interior, and I'll have that in just a moment. Gorgeous shot though overlooking English Bay this evening. Temperatures are sitting at 17 and we've got a southerly wind at 6 kilometers per hour. But as we get in late evening overnight we do have the chance for some showers that'll pop up into the early morning hours and then a nice clearing is on the way. Anticipate some sunshine for the afternoon and temperatures tomorrow will be up to 18. A look ahead on the future cast though. The afternoon we've got instability unsettled conditions and that's for the northeastern corners, central and southern half of the province stretching in towards the southeastern corners. We are going to look at the risk of thunderstorms, so a heads up through the afternoon and early evening. The northern half of the province uh, for tomorrow will still see some cloud cover, should remain dry along coastal areas. It's really inland that we'll see that instability, some moisture, active weather for both the central and southern interior, so we'll be tracking the risk of thunderstorms. Whistler will see those showers for the morning hours, a cooler day with highs just up to 15, and along the south coast we've got overnight showers, for tomorrow morning, a clearing on the way. Pleasant tomorrow, though. We'll get up to 18 degrees, 19 on Thursday. The next chance to see a few showers will pop up late Thursday and leading in towards our Friday. All right. Great shot that was captured. Ambleside, West Vancouver tonight. Central windows, weather window taken by Rose. Never get tired of that view. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Two RCMP officers in Clinton can now add animal rescuer to their resumes. Yeah, this happened last Friday. The officers were called by a woman after a large bird of prey flew into and somehow got stuck behind the grill of her pickup truck while she was driving along Highway 97. The officers carefully unbolted the grill and as soon as it was able to, the hawk got free and flew away. Amazing. How did that even happen? I don't know. I was looking at that grill trying to figure it out. But hawk, a hawk would be a very cool hood ornament, but not like that. <laughs> but not like that, no. no. Don't think he'd stay on the car that long. No. No. All right. Well, I'm glad he's okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Squire is clearly here now. Yes. Uh, Vancouver Giants head coach Michael Dick was actually part of the coaching staff for Team Canada, the one that won gold this past weekend at the World Hockey Championships. The culmination of a lot of work and, uh, you know, I guess a lot of stick to After losing their first three games, all that hard work paid off for Canada, and they all got one of those. Very nice. 
Still ahead, the local magician turning his stunts into TV stardom. Squires back now with sports, and uh, yeah, the Habs' improbable run continues here. Just think, at one point they were down 3-1 to Toronto. Everyone thought, that's it. Montreal's out. Toronto's going to get their wish, and then it all changed. And a lot of people thought, all season long, really, that Carey Price was not quite the goalie he used to be. Too many miles on him. Getting a bit old. But he proved to everyone that the stories of his demise were greatly exaggerated. The man who was raised... In a log cabin with a tin roof in Anaheim Lake has led the Canadians to the final four of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But the thing about Carey Price, he's got ice in his veins. That's what makes him a great goalie. Just look how he celebrated Tyler Toffoli's overtime winner last night against Winnipeg. Watch. Okay, first off, here's the actual goal. As they battle in the corner, Caulfield picks him up. So there's the players' reaction to the winning goal, the fans in the building's reaction to the winning goal, the fans outside the building's reaction to the winning goal. And here's Carey Price's reaction when the goal went in. All he wanted to do was make sure he had his water bottle. That's why he's great. There's another great goalie right there. Oh, he put the score up too soon. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're going to show you the highlights anyways. Look at this goal by Braden Point. Brilliant against Carolina as the champs move on to the final four themselves. Ross Colton. Steal and a score. Vasilevsky gets the shutout and a couple of BC boys who coach these teams, Campbell Rivers, Rod Brindamore and Prince George's John Cooper. Say congratulations and good luck to each other. Well, when Canada came back from a terrible start at the World Hockey Championships, losing their first three games to finally win it, Vancouver Giants coach Michael Dick was on the bench as one of Gerard Gallant's assistants. He's back home now and telling the story of Canada's unexpected goal. Now, we should say, and we want to tell you, Michael Dick is following all quarantine and safety rules, and so was our crew when we talked to him today about the tournament that ended with a golden goal against Finland. Paul to Connor Brown, sees a better cross, they score! Nick Paul, a golden goal! It's a World Championship gold medal few saw coming, not from a Canadian team that lost its first three preliminary round games and needed help to qualify for the medal round. That's what makes Team Canada's win so special for assistant coach Michael Dick. The most unlikely story. For what, what went, we went through early in the tournament, uh, being down uh, 0-3 and and how, how the guys responded, uh, how hard they worked. Um, obviously really happy for, for everybody. This year's World Championship was unlike any other, and not just because it was played in a bubble where Team Canada struggled early on against teams it would normally have no problem beating. A prolonged NHL season meant Canada's roster had very little time to gel. Three practices to be exact before it was game on. 
Those teams are together a long time, and there are a lot of good hockey players out there. And typically for Team Canada, they'll go over a little earlier and play some exhibition games, but because of the situation this year, the NHL finished you know, days before we got there. So there was no opportunity to really get together and practice and, and, and team build. Michael Dick from Lethbridge, Alberta. Winning gold only adds to Michael Dick's coaching resume. Dick was also an assistant for Canada's silver medal team at the World Juniors. Having a hand in Canada's golden effort will only increase his odds of one day landing an NHL job. Where does this gold medal rank in your coaching career achievements? Well, right now, number one. I mean, anytime you're a world champion, I, I don't know if you can... You can never, uh, you know, you don't compare that to anything else. But you know, you, there, there's lots of obviously lots of, of parallels along the way from from going to the what, WHL final all the way to Game Seven to you know a lot of silver medals at the World Junior and even the U18s. But uh, to find a way to win, especially the way we won this one, uh, you'll never forget it. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin is qualified for this year's U.S. Open Golf Tournament. It'll be the sixth time he'll be in this event. His best finish was 2011 when he was 39th. Uh, there are four Canadians who have qualified, obviously Hadwin, Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes, and uh, Taylor Pendriff. The uh, tournament will start on June 17th. Canada just needs a draw here in this game against Suriname to move on to the second stage of qualifying for the 2022 World Cup of Men's Soccer. And as you can see... Former Whitecap, Alfonso Davies has put Canada on the board. That's a huge goal. As we said, Suriname has to win, otherwise Canada moves to the second stage. On the weekend, the Tennessee Titans acquired receiver Julio Jones from Atlanta, making the Titans' offense a whole lot better if Jones stays healthy. However, we could have been saying the same thing about the Seattle Seahawks because the Hawks were also trying to make a deal with Atlanta for Julio Jones. And DK Metcalf would have loved it if he would have had him as a teammate. It would have been amazing uh, just to play beside him. Me, him, and Tyler, um, plus with Chris Carson in the backfield, would have been you know, unstoppable. But he went to go play with my, my uh, old teammate and AJ. So uh, good luck with them. But uh, you know, we're going to kick that as week two. <laughs> well, there you have it. Week tell, two is Seahawks win. Telling it like it is. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. Up next, a local magician making a big name for himself and how it all began on the streets of Surrey. Next. A Langley-born performer has found success with a new TV show called Big Trick Energy. And we say performer because Wes Barker is many things. A magician, comedian, <laughs> stuntman. The tricks he does with his co-stars are pretty amazing. And as Jay Durant reports, how he first learned his craft is also pretty impressive. Right. You want me to keep that or just... Oh! Wes Barker and his pals are taking magic to the next level, hitting the streets of Metro Vancouver for some all-out extreme stunts. Let's try something with uh, this shop. My buddy Alex was, <laughs> was doing a trick for this girl and uh, this lady in front of a, a storefront. No way! We'd already rigged out the uh, the storefront to uh, ex the glass to explode. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. We had to like uh, send PAs out and be like, "Hey, make sure no one comes running when they hear the you know something blowing up or someone screaming." Big Trick Energy on True TV is Barker's latest creation and a career that started rather innocently, learning magic in his truck on lunch breaks with co-workers when he used to work for the city of Surrey. Whoever was my partner was my prisoner. Like, hey, 
here's a trick I've never practiced. Pick a card or whatever. And every now and then you do one and they'd be like, wow. But sometimes they're like really watching you struggle. Look at the amazing Wes Barker. Look, look. When magicians work from home has been a YouTube hit during the pandemic. But can you just light the candles? No, 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 no. Go, 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 go. But go, the gang go, go. is back together now, performing scenes like Red Light Magic. Getting back in before other drivers get upset, well, that's a challenge. My buddy Eric hops out at this one uh, at this one stop sign and starts doing magic for these people in this car behind. And uh, they're freaking out and stuff. And I'm hanging out in the back of the Jeep like, yeah, let's go, Eric, whatever. And one of the girls looks at me, looks at the window, she goes, Wes? And it's just someone I went to high school with. Unfortunately, there wasn't really much time to catch up after all these years because the light was green again. Jay Durant, Global News. Great story, Wes, and good luck with the new show. Hey, if you know someone who has a great story to tell or is doing something unique in BC that people should know about, email your ideas to j at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. This is BC at globalnews.ca. This is BC at globalnews.ca. Got We'll get it. You guys eventually. remember what it is? You want me to say it now? Yeah, what is it? What's the email address? <laughs> this is bc at globalnews.ca. Nailed it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> this is bc at globalnews.ca. Yay. Okay, I hope we, we all got it, got it now. <laughs> and, and hopefully you got it too. Okay, one sentence on weather before we go. Cloud, then sun. All right. We'll take it. Well done. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great night. This is bc at globalnews.ca. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>